Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Writers' Meeting with Dr. Michael Lightman. Hello, everyone. And our first topic today for today, the crisis in Britain following Boris Johnson's resignation. With us is Chris from London, and he'll ask a few questions. Chris, please. Uh, Rav, Boris Johnson's term as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom has come to an end. Uh, Boris Johnson was a, a leader who brought Brexit to the UK, um, but has ultimately been brought down by a number of scandals. Britain is now a moment of decision. Uh, the Labour Party, which is the Socialist Opposition Party, is now ahead in the polls. And it is a party that may well try to bring Britain back into the European Union. So, in light of all this, my first question is, Boris Johnson was considered a, a very promising leader uh, who was expected to lead Britain for a long time. Uh, but he was caught breaking the COVID restrictions that he himself had set. Scandals and hypocrisy bring down many leaders. In Boris's case, were you surprised that he fell into the same trap? Look, I'm not into politics. I'm not really into politics, and I don't take interest in the headlines. Boris Johnson, in my eyes, was good for England, for America, for Europe, for Israel, too. I have um, good thing. I have good thoughts about him as a Jew and as someone who lives in Israel and as someone who, in my opinion, understands how the world needs to continue unfolding, we will regret him having to leave. I don't understand altogether. How do we judge such great people like Boris Johnson according to measures or weight, weight uh, as if they're ordinary people. That's a shame. I think we're going to credit all of humanity. 
Also, it's not known what's going to happen with him next. There are those that say that he can become the head of NATO. So, I don't know. I'm not in the decision-making, but at least now it could be very important. I'm not familiar with the entire kitchen, and therefore it's hard for me to say what's going on here, but my opinion is that this is a person that you can't all in all remove him from crucial decision-making in such crucial times like the world is in now. Why will the world regret, or why could the world regret, Boris leaving as Prime Minister? He's uh, very special in the way he's active and in his decision-making is very clear and determined and he has a sense for the advanced structure of the world so it's good that he'd stay what do you think the future holds for Britain now that Boris Johnson's gone? I don't know. But certainly it's going to be less than he was. Not so decisive, not so sharp, not that clear, not so strong as he was. Rav, many people I know in the UK, they feel um, disillusioned with politics. They really have no faith that leaders or government will deliver for them. What would your message be to these people who feel so disenfranchised and feel that any choice that they make won't make any real difference? Look, nowadays that's the problem, that people don't understand politics, they don't care about it, they're not climbing to those degrees in which a person, or those degrees that are necessary in order for a person to understand and for everyone to make their decision out of their serious, logical, scrutinized decision. You don't have that today, even though that we've reached a state where we're capable, but the problem is that the media and leaders and everyone, they're all confusing the people, and therefore everyone prefers to leave everything and to get along with their day-to-day ordinary life. That's it.
It's not just so that we're disconnected from the government. Eh, let them deal with it. That's what people think. Ravi, you said um, earlier on in this talk that Boris was obviously um, good for Israel. Um, do you think that the good relations between the UK and Israel will continue after Boris is gone? It depends only on whoever comes in a stead. I can't say. Or it'll continue as it is, or it'll change, I don't know. Out of, uh, it might continue out of inertia, but Israel is also a critical point in the world and in international relations, and therefore it can't just, you know, it's not that they can simply be forgotten about. No, for sure, there will be a re-examination of the relations between Britain and Israel. And what's going to happen, I don't know. It all depends on the person that will come to power. What happens to countries if they have good relations with Israel and what happens if they have bad relations with Israel? In the short run, it's very hard to say because there are many different factors that have an impact here, so it's hard to say. But in the long run, then for sure, that those that have good ties with Israel gain. The country gains, person gains, and it brings to prosperity. Okay, Rev, um, some more sort of general um, questions in terms of the, the future of the UK. Um, we in our group, BB, we have a very clear um, explanation for all of the problems and crises that the world's going through. But if we were to take our message to any prime minister tomorrow, it's very unlikely that they will listen to us. Um, as a consequence, and we can see this recently, we just go from crisis to crisis. But despite all of these crises, they still don't listen. So how do we break this cycle? We need from below and not from above to start teaching the people toward connection, to re-educate them about the need for people to be more connected, for them 
to aspire for a good connection between them, that being the main thing. And only by that can we achieve a good and safe life, that this is actually what everyone wants, only in many different ways. So we need to try and explain to everyone that we need to rise above our personal calculations and to also rise above different, let's say, um, theories of different kinds. But we need to build a new world, and it all depends on the annulment of our own ego. And, um, you know, we need to correct it. That's it. Therefore, all the work that we need to do is how do we reduce our ego? How do we elevate ourselves above the ego? How do we draw from nature a higher force than our own ego for it to control our ego and give us the ability to connect? This is what we need to do. This is what we need to talk about. Without that, our world is nonetheless deteriorating and is drawn to... It's doomed. Okay, just talking in the immediate, um, in approximately two years' time in this country, there will be another election. Now, I will be given a choice between two parties, let's say, and all of the leaders will be uncorrected people. They'll all be egoistic leaders. It, it seems that right. whoever I vote for is bound to make a mistake. And it seems that I, I can't make the right decision in this, in this kind of circumstances. So, so what should I do with such an imperfect choice in front of me? But you're saying that it's going to happen in two years. So try during these two years to explain to all the to all those that are running for office, what does our good fortune or future depend on? Who should we choose? That by that, we will also direct the parties, guide the parties that are running for office, that they too will think how to present themselves, what to aspire for, what to do. Okay. Um... One final question. I believe that when you were with Rabashi, he always encouraged you to vote Likud. Okay. 
כאן באנגליה המפלגה השמרנית הם יותר כאילו בקו של הליכוד מהלייבור. כן. אז האם היית ממליץ לאנשים להצביע עבור השמרנים ולא עבור הלייבור, ואם כן, מדוע? אני... אני חושב שהחיים הם גם כן... I think that life מראים לנו עד כמה שהשמרנים הם יותר... That the conservatives are more correctly stabilizing the country, the nation, the general atmosphere. And we have no... ability to change it really but we need to choose this party only that inside the party to try and change every time the vector of its development a bit okay so The next election, the, the people of the UK will essentially have two choices between Conservative and Labour. What would you expect for the UK and the world if the Labour Party were to be elected? What would you expect for the UK? Look, all in all, the elections, it's hard for me to say right now, the world's really changing, also because of the war between Russia and the Ukraine, and Boris Johnson and that was uh, very active and clear, decisive. I think that I think that we can judge accordingly, but still, according to the same line that he took, we will need to see the good and safe future, according to that line. I'd be very happy where he made head of NATO. could be that the, the options still on the table no well good luck to you everyone we'll wake up to a new world thanks Chris good luck UK Thanks of you for translating Rav to Chris. Thanks, Chaim, for translating Chris to Rav. And moving on to our next topic, another leader, President Biden, that is visiting Israel this week. Norma, please. Good morning. 
This week, President Biden will visit the Middle East. The visit will be considered a huge success if Saudi Arabia and other Arab countries, which produce oil in the Persian Gulf, agree to increase the amounts of oil and gas they export to the world market. This is the main goal that Biden hopes to achieve in his journey in the Middle East. If things work out, it will allow the White House to rescue Europe from the energy crisis it has entered. Because of the war in Ukraine, it will cause oil and gas prices to fall in the world market and will moderate U.S. inflation ahead of the midterm elections in November this year. For Israel, Biden's visit on Wednesday and Thursday will be an opportunity to reassure the U.S. commitment of preventing a nuclear Iran. The visit to Saudi opens the possibility of promoting normalization with Riyadh beyond Israeli flights being able to fly over the kingdom's skies. Measures such as allowing Muslim pilgrimers from Israel to fly directly to Mecca, removing barriers in trade between the two countries. Another issue is to reach a close understanding regarding the islands of Tehran and Sanafir, uh, bringing the islands under Saudi sovereignty as subject to Israeli consent, especially in relation to free sailing in the Gulf of Elat. What is the significance of Biden's visit to Israel? Well, on my part, it's that he will be able to arrange things in the long run, in the short run, because of the war that we have in Eastern Europe. Then he really needs to arrange these things and to strengthen the relations between Europe and uh, the Ukraine. And let's hope that that's how it's going to be. I especially see him arranging these things in the short run, establishing a tighter connection between NATO, Europe, the Ukraine. This is what he wants to do. This is what he needs to do. We remember how much pressure there was on the different Western European countries that were NATO members to increase their uh, military participation by half a percent. That's it. and how opposed to it they were. That there was really a war and, um, you know, fights over it. It's hard to believe that. Uh, What are we talking about here? And that's how it is to this day. So how significant is Biden's visit? Will he succeed in achieving his goals in terms of the oil, etc.? In terms of oil, etc., he has no choice. America has no choice. 
It needs to arrange and provide for Europe that which Russia used to provide in the past, oil and natural gas. Otherwise, Europe will not be able to um, last the winter. And therefore, I think that he has no choice. And uh, the way it seems... Uh, it seems very not simple that Boris Johnson was taken down and what happens in Western Europe now. I'm not so happy about these things. Why do you think that it will influence Israel and the rest of the world? I'm not thinking only about Israel. I'm thinking about the general situation in the world. All in all, what is Israel? Israel, if it itself doesn't take care of itself, doesn't take care of the connection inside of it uh, with the upper force, then it depends. It's dependent on the rest of the nations, one of the two. Either we're under the influence of the upper force, if we connect, if we're okay, or we're under the influence of the nations of the world, if we're not okay in our separation. And therefore, I don't think about Israel as something unique in the world. What the world will have, Israel will have. Or a bit worse. Will Biden succeed? That's a question. Question? Surely not 100% of what he wants, but to a small extent, yes. And, you know, it's uh, either will it just look good or will it really be meaningful? One of the goals is to bring Saudi and Israel closer in light of Iran's attempt to get nuclear weapons that threatens both countries. How important is it to bring Saudi and Israel closer together? Well, Saudi is very rich and very meaningful in the Middle East. And could be that, nonetheless, along with Israel, they will be able to stop Iran from activating nuclear a nuclear weapon. That, yes. Even though that I have no doubt that it will happen. That what will happen. That Iran will have a nuclear weapon. That no one will be able to stop them? No, no one can stop them. What will Israel gain as a result of their connection with Saudi? It's a force. It's a power. International power. Power within the Arab countries. Uh, there are many things about it. What will Israel lose as a result? Again, Saudi is a very interest is a very central and important country, especially in the Arab world, Muslim world. 
Therefore, there is not much to say. It's clear from its situation. So what does Saudi get as a result of this kind of closeness? All they want to solve uh, a few things by this. First of all, Israel is strong in terms of arms, weapons. And the Americans want to strengthen Saudi And Saudi wants to raise itself to a more meaningful position in terms of their international relations. And also, in that regard, the connection with Israel is to their benefit. What's the interest of the U.S. to bring Saudi and Israel closer together? Because both Saudi and Israel are allies, are American allies. Therefore, if Israel and Saudi will be closer together, will be closer to each other, then uh, the Americans will be stronger. Do you predict some kind of change in the Middle East after Biden's visit? Hard to say. I don't really feel Biden at all. seems to me that he's weak. Powerless. If I correctly understand what you're saying, it sounds positive. The goals, uh, the purpose for Israel. I'm asking because in the past you said about the Abraham Accords that it weakens the state of Israel. Look, I don't know. In the short run, it, it could play to our benefit. You know, in the long run, one way or another, everything depends on Israel. Thank you. Our next topic... Uh, the assassination of Shin Zuabe. On Friday, former Japanese Prime Minister Shin Zuabe was assassinated while delivering an election speech in the city of Nara. As Prime Minister, he led to a change in the policy of preserving an army only for defense imposed on Japan after World War II um, and began to strengthen the Japanese army. He tried to resume economic growth in Japan but was only partially successful in the field of foreign policy. He sought to increase Japan's influence in the world, greatly strengthened relations with the U.S., and also tried to strengthen it with China and Russia. But with less success, he had a very warm attitude toward Israel. He visited uh, here twice. He was also very fond of Jews in general and visited the Holocaust Museum in Washington and the Anna Frank House in Amsterdam. Among his people, he was very controversial with his more hawkish 
uh, military policy and the economic plan he named after him, which did not actually succeed in taking Japan towards growth. What do you think about the assassination? I think that a person who was very positive to the world, Japan, Israel, and for everyone in general, um, is gone. His activity was good for everyone. Thanks to him, the world became more stable. It's not that felt in the world, but the actions he he did, they brought about stability. And therefore, it's a shame. How do you see it that he caused stability? He nonetheless signed a few good agreements. He pushed the world to toward becoming more realistic in its current state. That's what I think. Realistic meaning what? That there's a problem between Russia, Japan, China, the U.S. There's a very big problem. Japan, if we look at it, it's in the center of many surrounding forces and can play a very important, very special center position. And he surely understood it, felt it, and took several nice steps in order to balance these forces out in their situation against each other uh, with Japan and all the countries around it. So you actually see Japan's place as a, what, a country that balances that. What is its role in the global system? No, not that much. Not so much. Still, it's a country in the Far East, but in terms of its power, it is keeping a vast part in the international system. Everyone knows it. It has a serious role there. And he also arranged for Japan several good places in the system, in the international system in general. In his time, the U.S. and Japan really came much closer together. He had very good relations with Obama, then with Trump. You know, it paid off to the U.S. because it was counterweight to China. But do you think that Japan is interested or has the ability to be a kind of a counter force to China? No. And I also don't think that China want, that Japan wants it. The Japanese don't feel themselves as enemies with China. They don't feel that way, that they're their enemies in any way. And therefore, there's um, you know, no, nothing counter here. Because you also have Taiwan here that 
from day to day is becoming more and more important in the international system. Taiwan? Of course. It's such a developing country in terms of the electronics that they make, chips and so on, that without them, you can't, the modern world can't exist. Enjoy, there's a problem here that this area needs to be under the influence of an American hand all the time. And what will happen, it's hard to say. Because also China wants control. Of course China wants control over Taiwan. China doesn't want control, real control like uh, Japan, but uh, its influence is, uh, you know, very important. Still, in the future, we see that from one day to the next, from year to year, China is becoming more, a more and more meaningful center of the world. China. Going back to Shinzo Abe, he had a very warm attitude toward Jews and Israel. Where did it come from? Did he really feel something? Or maybe it's just economic considerations. No, it's not only economic considerations. He understood that Israel has a special role in the world and that it is an eternal role, and that it's good to be connected with Israel. Meaning, in other words, he had some kind of an inner attitude toward Israel, like toward the forces of the power of mom and dad in the world. Who has these powers? Israel? Israel, yeah. He really attributed to Israel such forces that exist in the foundation of the world, and that's how he treated it to some extent, and therefore he respected Israel. It's interesting because you see it on him too. You see it on Johnson. But has the same warm attitude. He was also a volunteer in one of the kibbutzes. Where do leaders get this feeling from that Israel is, uh, well, first of all, in England, it's very popular to visit Israel and to go to a kibbutz. It's very popular. I think that. They have this kind of feeling. They do. More than the Americans do. It seems as though leaders have some kind of a very inner feeling toward Israel. Why does it happen among leaders specifically? Because they better understand, they more feel, they get more in to the politics of things, history, philosophy a bit. And they have where to take 
all of this knowledge from, and they feel from the inside that there is some kind of a special code here, special connection between the nations, between everyone. I want to ask something more general. We see today in the world in general, leaders are losing their power. Boris Johnson, we saw his government turned against him. He fell. Shinzo Abe was murdered. In Sri Lanka, the masses chased away the president and the prime minister quit too. There's chaos in the country. And the U.S., Joe Biden is in the is in the pits. It's not clear what will will his future be. In Israel, there's ongoing elections ceaselessly. There's a kind of the collapse of leaders, distrust in the leadership, or is it just a coincidence? No, no, it's not a coincidence. And that these uh, things happen at the same time, it's also not by chance. All these things are making an essential change in the world in a good direction. Many governments, many nations, many parliaments will need to decide, what are we doing? Where are we headed? What exactly is the process that you're seeing here? What can I tell you? The world needs to change. It needs to give account to itself. Who are we? Where are we headed? And there are so many points in the world, points of collision here in the world, that uh, need to get some kind of comprehensive answer. I really hope that It'll be understood both by leaders and the nations of the world as to what needs to be done. And what needs to be done, what do they need to understand? They need to understand that our world, the way it is now, it can't continue this way. All the time being in danger of war, it needs to be more connected, more uniform. And this is what they need to aspire for, what we need to aspire for. Why is this process expressed in the fall, downfall of leaders? Who else could it be? The, the falling of bombs? No, the question is, does it need to be in the form of a downfall? Or maybe there could be some kind of process that doesn't necessarily bring to the collapse of governments, etc. That's the best, most useful thing. Why? Because it's the best thing for changing direction, for changing the regime. And uh, the people will see that they need to change something in their country, in their government, that they themselves need to change something. But we see that it's a dangerous process. Suppose what's, what goes on in Sri Lanka, Mr. No matter what, the world needs correction. Is there a better way or less dangerous way in which it is possible to 
make this process or this how it's supposed to happen. I don't know to tell you how prepared the world is to get the correct method of correction. I think not yet. I think not yet. As much as Bala Sulam writes that it's necessary to do this and that and the nations of the world and all nations come to him, etc., etc., it seems still pretty far. You need to continue. Thank you. Norma? Uh, about the situation in Sri Lanka, there are riots. The situation there is serious. The Prime Minister resigned. And also, uh, they fled the country. Uh, it's unclear what will happen next. So the question is, do you think that this is the trend now? Because sometimes it starts in one place and it spreads to other countries. Will it have the same domino effect as was with the Arab Spring back then? Well, Sri Lanka um, isn't such a powerful country that's in the center of world influence. I don't think so. I don't think so. On the background of the Ukraine-Russian war and a few such hotspots in the world, I don't think that the problem in Sri Lanka can you know, do light up the world, ignite it. But what influences the world then? What, that we won't have, uh, you know, nice tea in the morning? Okay, so moving on to our next topic, last topic. About a year ago, as um, we're talking about uh, obtaining a German citizenship, about a year ago, as part of a correction of a historical injustice to the Holocaust, Germany amended the regulations of its citizenship law, and anyone who can prove that they have family connections to Jews from World War II can get a citizenship, German citizenship. Why is it happening now with four? It's in order to strengthen science, maybe uh, that's uh, maybe economy to show that that's how they are for, in order to create cooperations. No, no, it's in order to use the Jewish power, Jewish force in science and economy. So it's clear to them that, that they need the Jewish power to develop. We know it from history that where Jews lived, those places prospered. Jews were kicked out of there. Those places collapsed. Is there some kind of correction in, this, in these amendments that they make, that they create these little laws on the way? Is it a kind of correction in terms of Germany and what happened? Look, it has an impact. 
no doubt. It has an impact, and especially that there is a worse state here than the situation. Germany will look better. And who knows how the Germans are doing it and how the entire world is doing it so that we'll have it bad here, so that we'll move to other places abroad. It's working with both hands. Publicity in newspapers and Israeli newspapers shows how easy it is to get a German citizenship, uh, the advantages, etc., etc. Why do different factors in Israel encourage us to get a German citizenship? Is it because of money? Of course, the motivation is money. They get good money in order to publicize it. But how do Jews choose as a place of refuge, the place where their relatives were murdered 80 years ago? You should ask them. Jews have a kind of a special attitude, relation toward those that beat them. Should Israel have some kind of counter-campaign to call upon Jews to stay in Israel or not to interfere? No, no, Israel can't do it because then uh, that will already be considered as going against Germany. And that's not good. It's like Germany itself isn't inviting um, Jews from all over the world and especially from Israel to move there. So what happens, happens. I don't think that there is anything special about it. I'll I'll ask a final question. What should the a healthy attitude of of an Israeli citizen be toward the state of Israel? What should it give Israel, and what should Israel, the state of Israel, give its citizens? The state of Israel needs to give every citizen the ability to exist here in the country. And the main thing is to provide it with a feel, to provide him with a feeling that he is among his nation, that he's safe, that he's secure, that he is nicely treated by everyone around him. And this actually will cover him from running away to any other place in the world. Okay. That's clear. Thank you very much. Um, That's actually it for today. All the best to you, and have fun. And Chris, have a good time. Have a good time. Thank you for allowing me to join. Good luck, everyone.